What is the narrative arc of your life? Episode number 84. Pull that off. All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Ready, Freddie. You ready? I'm ready, Freddie. All right, well, let's rock and roll with this thing. So here we are, back at the Havana Cafe. Um, Coffee is down and and one more coming, another one coming. Yes, absolutely. Because I don't know why I need it today, but I feel like I need more coffee than normal. I'm I'm all right. This must be cup number three for me, I think. I'm I'm funny. On different days, one cup will like send me off and that's it. That's all I can have. And I'm sort of always disappointed on those days. Whereas days like this where I'm like, yeah, I feel like I could have another. It's like, ooh, yes. I can have more. So... Um, we're going to talk about stories and I know we've done an episode in, in the beginning about storytelling, Yeah. but now we want to look at the narrative of our lives. Hence the question, what's the narrative arc of your life? But we'll get into a little bit more detail in that, um, as we go. Yeah, the question that I had for you uh, to kick this off then is to give us Forgive me or us. Oh my, you want the whole story of my no, life as I a just, kickoff question, no, don't no, you? No, I want one <laughs> plot point of your life to start us up. Where would you start? Ooh, where would I start? Yeah. Ooh. Okay, you know what? I'm going to think about it and I'm going to tell you after the break. Can okay. I do that? Yeah, yeah. And look, oh, here good. are our coffees. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this whole question of, of how we create stor- the story of our life sort of came up for me because of all my of, of my sort of New Year's resolution thinking. So I suppose, you know, we have our, our list of questions, which we never we never have a problem coming up with questions, do no, we? Absolutely. Particularly you. There's so but, many um, questions. Yeah, so many questions in life. But um basically I sort of you know, you have sort of different people in your life and I think as you know people over time you start to become really aware of the story of their life. So, and it, it, I think sometimes it's easier to, you start to recognize it in others before you can really necessarily recognize the ways that you tell your own story in a sort of, it's always going to be a biased story yeah. in so some way or another. You, you start recognizing other people's stories well, from the outside what looking I've, in. What I've, what I've been reflecting on is that there are certain people who... You know, once you've known people for a long time, the the individual detail of the story that they tell, when when they see you, whenever, starts to to become not as much um, of the thing that you notice, but that sometimes all the stories are the same. Do you know what I mean? Like so. You know, I have some. So you're some about, yeah, people, Uncle Uncle Larry, right. when you see him, he tells the same story about so, when you were a kid. No, or no, no. I don't mean know. like that. I mean like, say, you know, you have a friend who, you know, they might every day is a different story, but underneath it's always the same story about like the poor me, or yeah. you know, life is so hard for me, or you know, just whatever. So it could be anything really. Yeah. But I think that. It, it just sort of has been reflecting on the fact that you notice it in others, but you also obviously do it yourself, where you, the detail always changes, but if you are constantly telling yourself the same story that I'm successful or I'm, I'm a failure or like things, things in life are really hard, um, 
you know, like that's a story that I hear a lot of people in my life telling, like things are just really hard for me, Yeah. you know, and this is the latest version of that story. And I think, you know, it just made me really reflect on the fact that not only is it really important for us to grasp hold of like a conscious telling of a positive story of our lives Hmm. and not in the sort of you have to deny what's actually happening, but you know, it's like the glass half full versus the glass half empty story. And if you continue to tell the story of the glass half empty, rather than telling the story of the glass half full, that's going to impact yeah. how you feel about your life and it's going to impact everything. There's a number so, of different levels that you're talking on. So it's, it depends on where you want to go with this. So partly what you're relaying is um, when we talk about values, beliefs, and you look at the, if you look at, if you think of, so easiest metaphor is look at an iceberg. And at the very tip is the stuff that we see in the yeah. visual. I can see the top of your iceberg. But then below that, when you talk about values, and you tend to go below that and you go to beliefs, this bigger part of the iceberg. So what's the undercurrent of the narrative that you're telling yourself? Like you use a good sentence that some people will say, oh, you know, life is hard. Now, you might have picked up that narrative from your parents. And yeah, then totally. you start then you build the rest of your life and your experience and your context. So it's a lens. So it's about what which things what happen in my day yeah. that I'm going to remember to fulfill that narrative. Yeah, so it's yeah. A, it's it becomes your filter in the way that you look at life and whatever goes on, but that's the filter that it's going through. Yep. And we talked, we might even mention this on a, just recently, about what the, thinker, what the thinker thinks the prover will prove. So if you think that life is very difficult, that's your thinker, then the prover looks around and experiences your environment to look for clues and signals to yep. confirm for you that life right. is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of what's going on, that's what it'll yep. try and do. It'll try, to, it'll try, your brain will try and complete the picture that you're given. So if you're running that script, then that's what you're, yep. you'll start to see. That's right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the simple uh, example people will use is like, um, and we'll just throw this in people's ears now, uh, yellow Volkswagens. And you just kind of throw that out there, and you probably have seen lots of yellow Volkswagens, but haven't been paying attention to them. But now with me planting that, you'll be aware of yeah. how many yellow Volkswagens that you actually Yeah, that's right. We, we, um, we own a VW camper, and if you own a VW camper van, you're like in the club. It's the same with Beatles, with yeah, yeah. BW Beatles. So if you see another person with a Beatle you're and you're club. driving, you wave at them. So and you can go, you know, like as we're driving on the, in the, our camper van on the, on the motorway or highway, if you see someone coming in the opposite direction in a camper, they'll yeah. flash at you yeah, and wave. No, but it, that is exactly what you're yeah. saying. You don't notice it before then. And then suddenly when you're in that car, you're like, wow, we're, yeah. we're yeah. everywhere. Carl Jung put that as a part of sort of synchronicity as well as in once you become aware of something you'll start to see it around you right. in more frequency because you've brought that's it to your sort of consciousness yeah but that's interesting because yeah. that's not how most people think of synchronicity yeah. but that's like being active in it yeah absolutely yeah, right. so the question would be then if we're taking this this track this is just sort start, of where it came from yeah. I guess for me yeah. but I would say what then what is your narrative that you've been running because I think this is a great exercise if you ever on your personal development journey one of the things is to go back and we talked about breadcrumbs uh, previously but it's to go back and figure out what is that driving narrative one that you're going to probably pick up from your parents to start yeah. with and, yeah. and the way that your environment was 
when you were young. Yep. Um, so then you have to go back and think, what is that? that narrative what is the lens or the filter that I have that I see life through Mm -hmm. and where did that come from so I think we'll talk later on about how you can change your script that you're playing and and sort of then start to move your life in a different direction but first you have to kind of what you've just kind of hinted at in the opening there is that we can look and we can see other people that they're playing out the same drama all the time different characters in it you know, different yeah, scenario, but, it's but the, the same underlying story. story or theme is, is the same. Because yeah. some people might say that on your personal development or spiritual development, that you'll keep that narrative going until you learn the lesson that you need to learn in order to be like your Pokemon and, and evolve to the next level. Yeah. So there's something in that loop that you're meant to learn, yep. but you haven't learned it yet. So it, it, all the things keep repeating themselves in terms of the characters that come in and the situations yeah, right. that come in. But then I think that's the that's the thing is that like you can see yourself as a inactive participant in that in the sense that a lot of times we'll we'll hear that and say like oh okay well I'll just it'll just naturally I'll learn it eventually whereas Hmm. I don't think that happens I think you have to really actually like take the reins of the story and realize what's going on and decide to do something different. Hmm. So like one of my things that have that's always been a narrative that's probably come undone a little bit um, in the last of several years is I just always had this underlying belief that um, everything kind of work out as it's meant to work out. So I don't usually pay much attention to details or the future or any of that mm-hmm. on the premise that the things that that what's meant to be is meant to be is kind of yeah. the underlying sort of theme. So I tend to be very present focused as opposed to thinking about past necessarily or future right. or preparing for a future because it's like that story for me is, you know, the things that happen happen because they need to happen and they couldn't, uh, as Morpheus is saying, we're going to bring our, yeah, yeah. our, <laughs> our matrix, matrix you know, what happened in that, yeah. in that elevator is what exactly how it was meant to happen. And it couldn't have happened any other way. And I find yeah. when you do the breadcrumb exercise and look back, a lot of the things, like, you, you know, you think, you know, you know, yeah. So they'll add up. And if you change any part of the previous thing, it so what change you're, the, the breadcrumb is like, I got here. Well, what brought me here? Yeah, and then how here. did I get there? And Even then from the very little yeah. con- inconsequential decisions. That and you're I suppose make, the, the thing is that those breadcrumbs are little episodes in our lives so in this kind of question it's what episodes or what what's the sort of arc of your story what are the different important episodes and I think about Mm -hmm. this as a writer because for me all my characters in my books are full people they have lives and some of their lives are really you know parts of their lives are really boring so you don't want to tell like a whole chapter about them just doing nothing which is what we do a lot of times you know like sitting there reading or watching tv or just my characters don't have tv but anyway but um you know you have to pick which scenes you're gonna talk about and sometimes a scene will come into my head and it doesn't make it onto the book because it's just not that interesting it maybe it happened in my mind but it's not that interesting Mm. but we do that in life exactly exactly when you meet someone you know, what I was asking about your sort of plot point, but even as you meet someone, there's a story that you tell people. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because I think sometimes really in seemingly inconsequential things 
actually make it into the story as an episode because they actually shifted something, you know, for you that you see later on. Whereas sometimes we think of a big event that we think it's going to really change everything. And in fact, it really doesn't. Yeah. So, I I mean... (laughs) you can trace this to a number of different things phobias are generally built out of these things as well so things that you are afraid of Mm -hmm. but you no longer remember why you're afraid of but you just have an automatic script that says you know planes i'm afraid to fly but then if you trace these things back to say okay what was so there's this thing about traumatic experience so you had an experience that had a emotional impact on you you had some reaction to it, and then over time you forget what that initial experience was. But your right. mind remembers that when that kind of thing happens, or I see that spider, this is how you need to react. And so we just play these automatic scripts and yeah, we just play them right. out. Um, and that's what phobias. That's what a lot of things, and you know, not just phobias, but in the way that you react to different situations in your life. Sometimes these are automatic. Um, responses that you're you're just kind of executing without (laughs) I was reading or listening to Robert Caldini's book on influence and he was showing how how compliant we can how compliance professionals can take take advantage of and by that I mean like people who sell things and Mm -hmm. like that how they take advantage of these what he calls click work like we're no longer we, we no longer pay attention to the automatic responses to certain uh, paradigms and people know this and they can take advantage of these automatic paradigms that we right. that we sort of play out but don't realize why we play them right, out right right and you know so do you many, have an example that you can think of for that uh, well the simplest one is just the uh, reciprocity reciprocity yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, so right. if i do yeah, yeah. if i do a favor for you right 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 then yeah, you yeah, actually yeah. feel yeah. inclined to do a favor for me and he ran an example of oh uh, my gosh no i have an example do you want to hear it yeah, yeah go for it. so we were in scotland I, I keep wanting to tell you this story so we're in scotland me and my husband got away for a night we're driving back and there's this little like craft local craft and artists kind of mm. store so we stop him and there's really nothing that we can find that is particularly what we want but the sign outside said fresh coffee. So I'm like, great. So I said, okay, well, you know, we're not going to get anything, but, um, you know, I'd love if you could make me a cup of coffee and I'll mm. pay for that. And do you know what she said to me? Oh, you don't have to pay for it. Coffee's free in December. <laughs> nice. I was like, have I entered like heaven? Is this like, have I arrived? Coffee's free in December. So she just made me coffee. And then you know what I did? I bought something from her shop. Yeah, because absolutely. Like, of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. So I spent way more than I would have on a coffee. Yeah. I had a but similar then. episode in Spain um, once, or Mallorca. I went to in the winter time, and everything was pretty much closed. Um, and I got really friendly with the uh, owner of the place that I've eventually found. I have to tell you that story in depth at some other time. But anyway, he said. In Mallorca, you have to have this particular fruit, but you can only get it at this one place, which is at the top of some big old mountain thingy that you can drive to. Um, so I drove there, and it was—I mean, it was—it uh, was a long drive, and it was, yeah. you know, hard to get to. And I found a lady, and she's in her house, and you knock on the door, and she's and she has this back. like special fruit. Well, she's got the yeah, you know, she has a number of different things, but she does have this fruit. Okay, right. So I went to purchase it, and all I had was large bills and she was like I don't have change and so I was like dang so I started to leave and she just gave me a whole bag of them and just said here 
And, the, you know, I was like, and she's like, and so, but of course, from what we were just talking about here, I had to, I drove all the way back down the mountain into the city, found and got some change and drove all the way back yeah. because it was such a nice thing to do. She yeah, could have just yeah, said, get yeah. the heck out of my house. But instead yeah. she was just like, or, hey, oh, well, sorry. Yeah, then. I was, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But she just gave them to me. But yeah. So yeah. Back to stories. Yeah. So um, I think what you were saying before we got off on that, um, how we enact like these little stories mm. of reciprocity. It was a really good quote about um, from a, that brain picking article that um, uh, Maria Popova writes that was saying, let me think, this is here he is. The stories we tell ourselves, whether they be false or true, are always real. We act out these stories. And I thought that was really good to sort of, because on the outside, oftentimes you have a situation where somebody in your life, and sometimes this is like a parent or a relative or, you know, just whatever. Mm. Uh, they're sort of telling you a story and you're like, yeah, that's not what happened. You know? Yeah. Like I was there and that's not what happened. But to them, it's like, it's become real because that's the story they've been telling. And so the, whatever that meaning was that they have imposed on that event, they've, that meaning and that story has changed the actual events in their mind of what happened. And that happens and I think about that be- even from yesterday. Totally. You wouldn't necessarily be able to recount what but, happened to you yesterday, would you? That's like the power of our like underlying narratives about our lives yeah. and about, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting is that there, you know, some of these articles were saying, okay, so we have a lot of different narratives of our mm. life, sort of like you were saying, we have, you know, an overarching one. We have ones that sort of correspond to different, aspects of our life like we have our career story we have our romance story story. we have our family story we have our you know whatever travel story or whatever so um and of course these are always changing in terms of like we're revising events or picking out different events when you know something because you're relying on memory as well isn't it so you're relying on memory which is always uh and and again as you're just alluding to it's like what what so what's significant about the events that happen, so the details won't necessarily matter, but it's what's the significant bet that you remember. And then it's, yeah, how do, how do you then construct a narrative around um, what you're saying? And one of the articles you, you sent, and they talk about narrative psychology, and they say, and a person's life story is not like a, a Wikipedia entry, a biography of facts and events, but rather a way a person inter- integrates those facts and events internally and then picks them apart to weave back together to make meaning because that's what we're after it's like we're meaning seeking creatures so we need to make meaning of things so something happens to me i try to make meaning out of that event what does that what does that actually mean what does that mean to my life yeah and then i assimilate and integrate those with the facts yeah, um, and that's some right. of it with yeah, the yeah. fantasies <laughs> totally. yeah, there's a lot of things that you kind of integrate to create a narrative of what you know what that means and just think about when you meet someone new when you're starting to get to, to know someone and and this is a good exercise to do just think about you're meeting a stranger for the first time what are the things that you disclose about yourself so you're you're going to be what well, that person doesn't know you from the next person but you're revealing to that person probably the th- depending on the situation so if it's someone that you like um you probably present aspects of yourself that you would want that person to know because you want to get them to like you yeah 
um, you might present a different version of you to someone that you don't want to know or like. So you may keep it at bare bones kind of facts. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, what do you lead off with? So so I guess I'll ask you that question. What do you normally lead off with when you're introducing yourself or you're meeting someone and you're going through that? I I find being over here, it's the story of how I got to the UK. Do you find that? There's Um, a lot of, you know, because we sort of hung on to our accents, there's a lot of like... I think around here I don't get it quite so much because it's there's not a lot of tourists coming to Leamington. Yeah. But you know when I go to other places, people sort of assume I've just come off the boat basically, and it's sort of like, oh, well, what are you doing over here? So then I sort of have to tell the whole. So the story I often end up telling, not because I feel like it's the most important story about me necessarily, but yeah. because that's the one people ask is. How did I get from yeah. growing and, up in Florida once, to being here? Once you use that, then what's, where's your next stopping off point? So that's a nice icebreaker because I use a similar one sometimes. I as think an also then then pe- the the story that people ask of each other yeah. often is because often you're sort of when you meet someone new, you're sort of responding to their questions, isn't it? So you know, we like you're saying, we get into these scripted. This is this is mm. the kind of story you tell to a stranger, kind of thing, and and a lot of it's about work and career, isn't yeah. it? So what do you do? Is the question? That's, that's and then, quite of a, a quite, quite common one. I was going to say that. Then one of the first things we will ask is, you know, what it is that you do? Yeah, and, and then, then it's a, the story of your sort of career. And but there's a whole danger in that because then we start to think. And I think we've talked about this before that we start to think what we do is who we are because yeah. people always ask you not who are you, but what do you do? Right. So how many people ask you who are you? No one. No yeah. one. No one really no comes one. up to you. Who are you? <laughs> so yeah. they say, "What do you do?" Yeah. And then they start to make value judgments about you based off of what you say that it is that you do. Yep. Um, then this links nicely, and we didn't plan this, but this links nicely to the my same experience in Spain. Mm-hmm. On the night shift, this the owner's daughter used to man the desk, and she had spent some time in the states and and the like. And one of the things that she said that she noticed that was culturally different. Was the was that very thing? And she's like, you know, in the states, people want to know what university you went to and what do you do for work. And she said, here, where she was from, she has friends that she's known for all her life, nearly, and she still doesn't know what they do because it's not a. They don't start a conversation with that or open with that or lead with that. So some of her good friends, she said, in Mallorca, that she has no idea what they do for right. work because it's 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 not a it's not a topic. But she found in the States that that's always the right. opener was, what do you do? Right, right, and then right. that that's becomes your, your sort of identity, which I thought was And it's, it's funny because I do think, and that's, that's the point, is that the story you tell to others and to yourself again and again and again becomes gets, your reality. Becomes your reality, that's right. And that becomes, like you're saying, you're defined by your job or, you know, if you tell a story of like life is hard, then you perceive life to be hard. Or I'm a feminist, or I'm a yep, Democrat, or I'm right. a Republican, conservative. So those that's all right. have narratives that totally. go with it. And then they, they, they're the filter that you'll start to see the world through, and then you'll yep. get the evidence to support that sort of world view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should maybe take a quick break. and then I've got to think of where do I start my story. Yeah, what's your, you no, no, not your story, but uh, just pick a plot point in your life and we can expand upon that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We'll pick, cool. a, pick a plot point and we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go from there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. 
Our goal for 2018 is to grow our audience, our community of contemplators like you, and we would really appreciate your help with this. Now, there's a few things that you as a listener can do that are pretty easy and simple that will really help us out a lot. So if you enjoy the podcast and want it to continue, it would be great if you could share it with a few friends who you think might enjoy listening. Um, going to iTunes and giving us a review so that it boosts us in the algorithms and it can come across other people who might enjoy it. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can go to the contribution section of our website. Thanks, and back to the show. All right. Okay. Yeah, so just, and, and again, this is, will be interesting because it'll be interesting to know what you do pick. And if we're talking about and we're thinking about from the first half, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So what's what? Yeah, <laughs> what, so, okay. What, what? So the thing that comes to my mind that yeah. I would start with is the moment that when I was young, and I must have been about five or six, I was old enough to be writing, hmm. but um, I moved house when I was seven and a half, so I know sort of if it was at this place, you know, then I know sort of how old I was. But I have a memory of sitting beside a lake that was in back of our house while my mom and my brother fished, and uh, I was writing a poem. And I think I would start with that because it's not only, I think, my story about how I and why I wanted to become a writer, but also that writing itself is the way that I sort of figure things out and um, like explore internally like questions that I have. So that to me is like what my life has been about so far. Is about So it, it is about sort of exploring questions like meaning and and beauty in the world so and who I changed? am and all this kind yeah, of stuff, but through writing. And I think I, in that moment, I think I, I just have this memory. And obviously when it's that far back, you can't yeah. really be, it's not a clear memory, but I just have a memory of sort of being aware that not everyone wanted to be sitting on the grass writing, that some mm. people wanted to be fishing or doing things and that I wanted to be doing this. Right. So it was sort of like a first sort of self-awareness kind of thing. And how did that fit in with the rest of the people that are around you? So in terms of, and I get it, and you, because you just mentioned that of like, you know, not everybody wanted to do that. So how did that, how did, how you were and how you remember that aspect, how does that, how did that then help you to or hinder you in your relationship with others? Um, I don't remember I, I remember feeling, I, I, I was probably like, I mean, it was not a feeling of exclusion. I didn't feel mm. like I was off to the side doing something different. I felt like I was writing as a part of my family, but that this was what I did that was special, I guess. Okay. So. That's interesting in language yeah. as well, like special. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thing. everybody's yeah. special. Yeah. See, I'm a mom of young kids. This is how I talk <laughs> now. Special. Everybody's special in their own way. Everybody's yeah. different. Everyone's everybody's special. Different. They're all special. But yeah. and if everybody's special, this is from The Incredibles, if everybody's special, nobody's special. That's okay. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, totally. Uh, I don't know. Oh, cool. So now, okay. So, and it's like um, when you think about these little plot points, there'll be lots of them. That'll be significant events in your life that pushes you one way or yeah. another and then changes the way that 
you know, contextually you might sort of see the world. Yep. You know, like I was always driven by, um, and this is interesting because I was thinking about this this morning, and I know that I don't have a connection with this necessarily anymore, but it, it actually it does surface itself still even. Um, and I th- so prior to a point, I was really into science, and I loved science. So I think the un- un- and under and I need to explore this some more. Is I've been this been in this perpetual search for finding a place to the, a community mm-hmm. or and a connection with a group, yeah. which I've not had. So I've I've always been the kind of outsider. Now yeah. that's a story that I'm telling myself even as we're speaking right, right, now. Right, so right. Um, my whole life is probably organized around the fact <laughs> that I'm an outsider. So I've and I've was as we were going through this, but I was thinking, you know what, actually. This um, this idea um, of searching for something to belong to. So it's a search for belonging. If this was a the big mm-hmm. narrative of my sort of story, and I think up to probably just probably preteen, I was really into science and my, like I wanted to be a microbiologist and all that. But I just love science, astronomy, yeah. anything with science. I kind of love. And then, and I don't remember what was the first. In fact, it must have been Conan, but I very first got into a heroic fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then that changed a whole course of my life, getting into heroic fantasy. Because it connected with, and the thing that I connected with is this sense of, it was just, and it's all architect, archetype stuff, isn't it? So yeah, it's yeah. good, bad, hero. Um, that whole sort of way that that's there's sort of also in those narratives it's always the hero has to be asked like who are you going to be isn't yeah. it yeah and uh, but the characters that I tended to like weren't necessarily the hero mm-hmm. it was always and the ones that resonated with me and this probably feeds into my narrative of the outsider was always the companion to the hero who mm-hmm. was generally the sort of silent one the one but he was very highly skilled and respected <laughs> But he wasn't the lead of the story. Right. Um, and he had a whole other thing that was going on. But he was always the character that was that was the dark horse, the outsider, yeah, right. the mysterious kind of guy that, that was in there. But that character, but the whole of those narratives always played out. And the characters that always resonated with me was that kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um and then as I was thinking about it this morning, there's, you know, what was, what's one of these overarching personal narrative story of life, that search for sort of be- belonging. So what group do I sort of fit in? And whether that was because I spent a lot of time alone as a child before sister or not, could be. Um, but I've got two other siblings, yeah. so it wasn't like I was an only child. So it wasn't a, a mm-hmm. syndrome of that. But yeah, so that's... So when I once I got into that whole sort of heroic fantasy, that changed. It's interesting because it's sort of a feedback loop, isn't yeah. it? So you sort of find stories that resonate with you and mm. your experience, but then by consuming those stories, you are whether it's like watching, you know, shows or mm. films or reading, you start to construct your life according to that kind of narrative structure, I think. And what plays out, which is, you know, again, it's like, so all those things were about adventure. So that's what I wanted my life to be about adventure. So hence joining the military. Right. Because I just wanted, you know, this life of going off on these endless campaigns and 
having these adventures. Um, fast forward the story later on and you get married and have kids, then you can see where attention point can come. Mm-hmm. So attention point of, well, hey, I can't go off and have these grand adventures if I also have to be domestic person as well. So reconciling, you know, my world view with now a domestic yeah. sort of view. Um, and just all the little nuances of how those sort of things sort of play themselves out. And I think I had a question um, in my little notes was about um, this idea of, of, yeah, if you think about your story, and I can throw this out to the listeners, if they're thinking about what is your narrative arc and how is it different from what you imagined it would be when you were younger or just stepping out into the world for the first time as an adult? There, there was a great quote um, that apparently came from, I wrote the book down, it was, if I can find it. Oh, maybe I didn't write it down. Mm. But it was basically like, I'll put this in the show notes, but there was a, two people sort of, and, and one guy was sort of having this existential crisis. Like, I just didn't think my life was going to turn out this way. Yeah, that's in the And the other, yeah, the yeah, same, that article. Yeah, I've got it written down, I think. Okay, can yeah. you find it? Yeah, 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 go on. Because then, then the guy... The other guy he's talking to is basically like, "Whoa, you know, what what's wrong with it? What what's yeah, you know, what do you expect it to be like?" And he said, "Do you have the yeah?" So the it was in a, it was in a Paul Murray's novel, Skippy Dies, and there's a point where the main character, Howard, has an existential crisis. He says, it, "It's just not how I expected my life would be." He says, "And what did you expect?" His friend responds, and Howard ponders this and says, "I suppose." This sounds stupid, but I suppose I thought there'd be more of a narrative arc. Yeah. So it's kind of like that existential, there's just a bunch of random events and they actually don't line up to this heroic journey that I thought that I might have and stuff like that. But it's all this, yeah, exactly. Because it's all the, um, and and we have to do that. I guess our brains would explode if we were, like, and and this time back into the beginning of the podcast when we started this thing is that we have to... You know, you don't remember every single detail of your life as it's gone by, but we pick out these significant moments, or what, and for whatever reason they were significant for us. Um, you know, who knows? Like, for instance, and this is a silly one. It'll seem silly, but I was asking myself this because you got me thinking about this. Why does the same little an- anecdote show itself up? <laughs> and it was um, this is a little toilet humor here. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was I was a second year cadet out at West Point, and I can picture the guy. And this scene always comes to me with the whole sort of toilet paper thing. And he was like, because we were running out of toilet paper, and yeah. he was like, "You guys got to stop making baseball mitts out of the toilet paper when you go. Just use your thirteen squares or whatever." Um, and that little thing is in my head and it re- and it surfaced again the other day and I just think how was something like that had, of everything you know, you know everything, that's, everything ever that's ever happened in my life that's one of the stories that reoccurs I'm like what the heck is that about and it's so vivid I can remember the guy and what it looks like and I remember the and whole and I bet a lot things. of those people if you told them that story they would they not remember, remember that happened not yeah. at all yeah not no. at all so yeah, so yeah. You, you know these moments, and so and the reason I was relaying that one because it's very small, but we don't know why yeah. we pick these moments to remember, but they're yeah. there, and then they form part of the larger story that we might tell people about ourselves. So, yeah, um, and I think that's interesting that you pointed out that you 
you can see your friends and family's reoccurring cycle, but we might not always see our own reoccurring cycle. Yeah, that's cycle. right. Yeah. It, it sort of, so it comes out in, in my novel, in The Boatman, because The Boatman, who's this sort of enigmatic figure who arrives on this island as an outsider, he, his experience of, of being with the islanders is like they want to tell him all their stories. You know, they want to tell him about how great the island is or things that they've seen out at sea or, you know, times when they were really heroic. And there's, you know, his sort of attitude to that is he just listens because underneath is sort of the the language of the world, basically, like speaking, that's that sort of, it isn't, these stories aren't, really what the stories are about. They're really about, I am important. This island is really special. You know, so, so it's sort of like, I feel like a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in the detail of what people are saying, but when you know somebody for a long, long time and five, 10, 15 years, and you start to sort of see the narrative. Can I throw a little hook in here? Yeah, fine. But what is what you notice about them say about you? Because that's well, probably it, more important yeah, totally. than what you've noticed. Well, it, sa- it says them. that, yeah. it says, well, for me, and reflecting on this and why I think it's so important, is that it says two things. It says, one, I'm doing it. Am I noticing that I'm doing it? What kind of stories do I tell? And that's then not what I meant. I meant the detail that you've noticed, the specific detail that you've noticed about their pattern. And what is that? That probably says more about you than it does about them. Maybe. And that's, a, that's a probably a tough yeah, question that, to yeah, ask yeah. on so here. Yeah, so I know what you yeah, mean. So, yeah, 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 so not, the, not that you mm-hmm. notice the pattern in it. You have patterns. That's right, that's right. That's a very interesting point. specific thing that you notice. Totally. And what's the, in, the yeah. story. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because in that is hidden answers that you're seeking. Like, there's some interactions that you and I have. And yeah, I don't know if right. you're aware of the pattern. Mm. But in that interaction it's probably just as much about me as it is about you so right. the answer t- for me is hidden in yeah 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 your, your, yeah 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 your piece so, yeah i know what yeah. you mean because there there yeah. is sort of certain certain people's what i perceive to be their story are the things that i really that really bug me sometimes mm. so yeah yeah no you're exactly right and yeah. that that is much more about me and what story i'm trying to tell or what the way that you know as we're talking about this the way that we tell stories informs our idea about who we are yeah. and what our life means and where we're going so have i yeah, ever did, totally. did i ever do that concentric circle thing on this podcast of the of the so in the middle you've got who i am okay have i done that i don't know do who it again. i am yeah and then the next ring out is who i fear i am and then outside of that is who I pretend to be. So in here, the sort of truth of who you are, and this is a good exercise right. to do. Um, and for, you know, there's a, and you know it, because it's a voice inside of you, the very, very quiet, so you know who you are. Nobody else is going to know it because right, they can right, get right. into your head. But because of your interactions with people, teachers, friends, colleagues, and everything, when you express some of who you are and their reactions to it, um, it may sort of temper yeah. your how you come across. So there's that who I fear yeah, yeah, I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. which sometimes will show itself at, as noticing the things that irritate you. So you fear yeah, that, yeah, yeah. so that's why it irritates you. 
But then, because I fear this thing, then I present myself in a different way. So I pretend to be. But it's an interesting yeah, drill to that sort is of interesting. Totally. To sit, to sit down and do. And you can, you know, you can be narrow and very specific in terms of picking out a few things of who I am and then who yeah. you fear off the back of that and then how that manifests itself in terms of who you pretend to, to I be. Think, I think the other, another big part of my own personal story, which is why this topic really is important to me, is that my grandmother always used to say choices, 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 attitude, mm. attitude, attitude. That was her thing. Mm. And it's like over time you sort of, these are voices from your family that you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at some point you go, yeah, right. Like I have the ability to tell whatever story I want about my life. Mm. So if that's true, why would I not tell a positive story that helps me feel good? And helps me interact well with others, you know, like, mm. and, and it's, it's not but always that simple. It's not always say, that what's simple. What's the underlying story? So the immediate questions that I have is what's the driver behind you wanting to tell a positive story? Is that would be the line? That yeah, maybe that. And that's, yeah, yeah to totally, know. totally. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's just, it's just, I suppose it's more, it's not always that the story's positive. It's that because things negative things happen mm. you know in life and I don't think it gets you anywhere sort of pretending that that's not yeah. happening but that I don't know I'm not sure I'm going to have to think about this because it's not something I can really articulate but I think that if you have the power to sort of you could probably use that be, to answer that question at another time yeah totally that sort of drill so who I am yeah, is yeah yeah yeah, and then do the sort of who you fear you are if you were in that sort of opposite aspect. Um, I'm just looking through my notes here. There was some other stuff that I wanted to pull <laughs> well, there's, out. There's six principles, which, which sort of yeah. goes along with what I'm saying a little bit, um, of, of understanding how the story of our lives and how we create these narratives. Right. Um, this is from an article in the Huffington Post called What Your Life Story Really Says About You. And um, so the six principles are that it's constantly evolving. And one of the things I really noticed, which I think is probably true for me, is that so the young, younger we are, like when you start becoming really aware of your life story, as sort of they say in your teens, where the question of who, I, who am I sort of comes up. And in your 20s and 30s, your story gets sort of increasingly complicated with more room for drama, conflict, and negativity. Whereas over time, these are like narrative psychologists that are mm. studying this, say that when you get into your mid-40s, there's a sort of tr new trend of simplification and integration of, of the events of your life and the sort of story. And as you get older, there's less room for drama and negativity and stuff. I'm not, obviously, everybody's different, and that's not true for many people that I know. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that, that was sort of interesting. The second one is that your current mindset colors the way you tell your story. Mm. The third is that you structure your story like a novel. In other words, it's episodic with beginning, middle, and end. So anytime you tell a story, that's the sort of structure that you use. Like, this is how things started, then these various things happen, and here's where I am now and where I'm going. Um, and this is the one that, that you're sort of talking about, is that there's some people who... Um, 
have stories that contain themes of redemption. And what they mean by that, apparently, is that there's, there's negative things that happen, but that the way that they're framed is that it turned out okay, or these challenges happened, or these tragedies happened, or these failures happened for me, and then this is how I, how I came through. Um, and I think maybe that's sort of what I, part of what I mean when I say positive. It's not positive in that everything's cheerful, but that even negative events, there's, a, there's like a tendency in myself to want to either sort of surrender to that or to, um, I don't know, see, see whatever like good or like whether that's wisdom or learning or they brought other people into my life that I wouldn't have had before or just whatever, Some you know. Kind of meaning, yeah. So so not not to ever frame something as purely negative that it always is a mix of like there was something that changed directions for me or whatever and then that was Yeah. I don't know. Well anyway. no, no, cuz that's from what I was saying about that things, you know, it all come out in the wash. So similar kind of theme that I have as in Yeah. it happened. Now, as they say in the Matrix, you know, it's already, you know, it's happened. You just have to figure out why it happened now. So you can't change the past and the future, but figuring out why. Yeah, yeah, So making meaning out of it. And I think that's the thing we have control over, isn't Mm. it? The thing that we have control over is how we interpret it for ourselves, what meaning we give to it. Yeah, And we do that through creating a story around it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can do that in a positive way or you can do that in a negative way because some people use the same mechanism, but they just reinforce it. A sort of a negative world view. Right. You know, this happens, this always happened to yeah. me, and it's yeah, because yeah, of yeah. this, you know, it's just that's just how I am, or that's just who I am. That yeah. kind of, you know, continued narrative. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, either way you kind of look at this, you can look at it from people that's, you know, like if I say, well, everything, it happened, now I need to learn the lesson. You know, that might not resonate with other people. They'll be yeah. like, well, no, that's just not really giving credence to the thing that actually happened yeah um so yeah so it's uh it's uh it's interesting how and i guess as we're kind of winding this down part of the thing to think about and to take away from our narrative stories of our lives is the fact that and there's this a nice quote that this one article ends with that the past is always up for grabs so in the mm. very way that you've latched on to whatever significant pieces of information that you're bringing from your past as we've kind of alluded to here you don't you don't have all the real details of it but there's things that you remembered out of it and then you constructed some meaning out of it you can revisit those things and find a new meaning in those events which then changes the way you are in the present when yeah. you look at those events and you change the meaning yeah. of the events yeah and I know the resistance might be, well, if you change the meaning of the events, have you change the event? Just by the fact that you're looking backwards and having a memory, the event is never the same as it actually was. And like you alluded to earlier, and that, you know, even our experience right here doing this podcast, neither one of us are going to re- this, remember the same, the same yep. thing. Isn't it? It's yep. going to be completely different for both of us, even though we're both here in this room. <laughs> We've noticed different things, and we'll have yeah, a different yeah, yeah. reaction to different things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Even, even you know, you did a classic 
you know, the cops and their interview and the crime scene and everyone has a different view of what happened. You yep. know, one, you bring in all the other stuff that you have with you and however your worldview is, that's how you interpreted those sort of events. So it's always a faulty thing. Now I'm going to end with this thought experiment. Well, I'll, I'll stop talking after this okay, thought yeah, experiment. Because yeah. um, I did this once and I was thinking, if, I, if we are the sum total of our memories, so you are who you are by, based off of what you remember, yeah. if I was to take away all your memories, so why... Take away I, your life story. Yeah, if I, if I took away your memories, who would you be? So, but you still know how to function like physically and all that, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. like a serious case of amnesia. If I took away your memories, who yeah. would you be? Who are you without your memories? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer. <laughs> I'll experiment with that. Experiment one. with that. Who yeah. would you be? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any final thoughts from you? Are you uh, good No, that's good. No. Tell, mm. I, I think for me, it's a real. It's really about becoming aware and I think we're aware of some of the narrative structure that we tell mm. but it's probably good to go back and question like what what stories are we always telling mm. and an easy way to do so that when you have a reaction to something and you yeah and then just okay well where's that or when you meet from? somebody or when you have mm. you decide what stories are you going to tell them yeah yeah so yeah what recognize the stories and the patterns and the signs and the omens in your life Okay, good stuff. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our, our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot.